Welcome to Misinformation, hosted by Rebecca Jones and produced by Big Mouth Media. This weekly podcast with Florida COVID whistleblower Rebecca Jones dives into the world of disinformation and how it's hurting America and democracy. Now, here she is, Misinformational. Hi, everyone. I am Rebecca Jones, your Misinformational with this week's podcast, and I am joined by the amazing Dr. Cindy Banyai. If you're just jumping into this series now, I think we're on episode 12, maybe? Yes, 12. Dr. Banya and I both ran for Congress in 2022 and two of the most conservative districts in the state. I ran against the deplorable Matt Gates, and she ran against the almost equally deplorable Byron Donalds. And we both lost, but we kicked ass. We did better than every other Democratic person who was on our ballots by large margins. And uh, we've been hosting this weekly session on disinformation and misinformation, mostly in the new media kind of world. We we discussed how a non-political disinformation campaign that's targeted to be a defense of someone on trial can be acquired and how they logistically launch those types of things. I started investigating how one goes about hiring such people and organizations, and it has taken me down quite the rabbit hole, but I still have to follow up with a couple of people and firms. So we're pushing that episode to next week. Plus there was a bit of big news this week. Dr. Banyai, can you tell me what happened while I was in Mississippi? It's what do we call it? Arrest miss. (laughs) (laughs) Indictment Palooza, Mary arrest miss. Yeah. So Trump tweet, not tweeted, what's it? Truth or whatever the hell his stupid thing is, he put on his stupid social media that he was going to be arrested on Tuesday. And then, of course, you know, called for whatever mass protests in response to that, which only got a lukewarm response, which was fascinating in its own right. But then apparently there's now coming out the indictment from the grand jury in Manhattan. There's stuff going on with the Department of Justice case and documents from Mar-a-Lago. And Georgia, not to be outdone, also maybe throwing in something for their indictments as well. Yeah. So anytime you have breaking news, especially when it's politically involved, You expect initially there's going to be a lot of speculation. People are rushing to break the story first. So sometimes you'll get sources who may not be all that great and may not know what they're talking about, as we'll see in this case. And not to be left out, oftentimes very legitimate news agencies will essentially regurgitate what was reported from other agencies. And you add to that the very adept social media nature of that Donald Trump is and his brand is. And we have gotten so much disinformation about this entire fiasco. And I spent two days trying to track down exactly how these rumors started, what was rumor and what was not, and who's been perpetrating what. And we've actually managed to mostly avoid talking about Trump. We did talk a little bit about the Atlanta grand jury at one point, because I know that because I still have it printed on my desk and highlighted. I don't remember which episode that was, but whenever that happened, we did discuss it. But we've not really gotten involved with him a whole lot, just because he's, even though he obviously is running for president, we see him as a back there thing that we don't really like or want to talk about. Well, Joe, yeah. And everybody knows he's a pathological liar. So that's 
kind of a given that anything he says is probably going to be disinformation. Occasionally, he does have the great grain of truth, especially when it comes to DeSantis lately, which is a whole fascinating thing in and of itself. He's doing more damage to DeSantis in Florida than Democrats in Florida did all of the last cycle. What Democrats could ever wish to do. Yeah, I know. So we're going to kind of walk through how this story originated, what little truth there was to it, and how this different disinformation managed to jump off social media and into mainstream news. So uh, I was Mississippi during this last week, Baton Rouge at first for St. Patrick's Day Parade, and then my husband's birthday, and then Mississippi. So I was out of service, literally for four or five days. And just got into this as it was happening. What did I miss? I was, I had no service for two days and I come back and the whole world is blowing up. So there were rumors that started last week that Trump would be indicted on Tuesday, March 21st. And that it was very specific date. And if you were just side glancing at what was happening, it seemed very legitimate. You had news organizations talking about how the social, not social, the uh, security, what is it called? So Secret Service. Secret Service was in talks with the Manhattan District Attorney about when Trump would surrender and whether or not he'd be handcuffed. That was all false. There were rumors about him being fingerprinted just like everybody else. That was all false. Apparently, there was never any indication whatsoever that Trump was going to be arrested at all, much less this week, the grand jury proceeding in the case that this kind of stirred from is still hearing testimony from witnesses. And obviously they're not going to decide whether or not to indict until that part of that process is over. Trump made this whole thing up. The original source was Trump, which to me is like the first sign of, come on, seriously, some there had to be some kind of movement or implication that was coming that this week, which we're now on Thursday and it has not happened for the media to take it so seriously. And as hard as I tried, I could not find a single named source that backed up that Trump was ever in threat of being indicted this week. He made the whole thing up. So yeah. how did Trump go from just making up that he was going to get arrested into CN dedicating entire segments of their show to the role the Secret Service would play. ABC News did the exact same thing. They were both following the lead of, you guessed it, Fox, who claimed without evidence that the Manhattan DA had met with the Secret Service on multiple calls and they were planning the logistics of, and this is their headline, indicting, arresting, handcuffing, and fingerprinting the former president. And of course, the only source for this was Trump himself. He claimed that there were illegal leaks from the Manhattan DA's office, along with a lot of, I'm the beloved, the greatest beloved president of all time, third person, weird language in all caps. So if you can manage to get through and parse out the individual thoughts from the giant run on sentences, congratulations, you deserve an award. But yes, it was all Trump himself. And of course he was not arrested Tuesday much to the disappointment of many All people and anyone. <laughs> who 
Yeah, that right. didn't stop Trump from demanding that day there be a giant protest at the Manhattan DA's office. And here's where another rumor, false rumor started, was that there were things that said that the New York Police Department was ordering all of their officers and all of their different resources to be in uniform and to, and this was very kind of dark and dramatic, prepare for anything in case there should be another January 6th type situation. Well, only about 50 people showed up to this planned protest and police did set up barricades and they did go there to watch, but no, the entire New York police department was not in uniform on standby waiting to deploy to the Manhattan DA's office. I actually confronted a Pam Keith, who's a big supporter of mine. I'm a big supporter of hers about this because she was talking about all the wasted resources that the New York police department put in. And I actually asked, I said, do we know that though, that the police paid for anything other than the setting up the barricades and the officers at the planned protest that the former president told people to be at? Because there's no indication whatsoever that anything beyond that, which is a necessity, uh, especially if you're dealing with a courthouse and the former president telling people to all show up to a place at a time. And she got a really knee-jerk reaction with me and was like, they don't work for free. I was like, I know that. But I'm asking if beyond that, there's any actual evidence whatsoever that the New York Police Department was investing all this money and resources into this rumor because I can't find anything. And I've been asking reporters, who was the original source I spoke to about this? And they're like, we actually got it from Vice or NBC or Fox. And I'm like, oh God, that is not what journalism is. Please people do better. Of course, the protest ended up being laughably small. Jordan Kepler did a pretty funny piece. I mean, Kimmel did. It was pretty much just fodder for that night's like late show talk show people. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so it was a big embarrassment because about 1.30, 1.50 in time, yes, or Tuesday, the Daily Mail, which we have covered quite a bit, which is pretty much, it's a British tabloid. It's not a newspaper in case anybody is curious. Right. Uh, they have a well-established reputation for publishing fake stories for whoever pays them to do it. This can be oftentimes conservative Republicans like Ron DeSantis, who goes there anytime mm -hmm. he needs put into the mainstream press so that the press here can say the Daily Mail reported, which means that they can't be held liable for slander or defamation because they're citing somebody else's work. But uh, they broke a story at about one o'clock Tuesday saying that the indictment was not coming Tuesday. It was actually coming Wednesday. Lo and behold, Wednesday comes and goes and there's no indictment. And so I've been going through all of these articles that have these sources with knowledge of the situation. And when I go down the rabbit hole to try to trace back these articles and I speak to the reporters who covered them, it all traces back to Trump and his campaign, every single one of them. Mm -hmm. And it, it's, it infiltrated American media, not just the Daily Mail, which was wrong. And I had friends and allies of mine in the liberal circles who tweeted out the Daily Mail article saying that it was going to be Wednesday. I was coming tomorrow, guys, don't worry. And I was like, I literally just said the Daily Mail is not a reputable source. I got hacked for it. And I was like, I'm sorry, it's not. And they're like, we'll see when he gets arrested Wednesday. I was like, will we? Because it's Thursday. And guess what? He did not get arrested. They just yeah. made that up. So this fake story all comes from Trump just claiming that he's going to be arrested at a specific day, at a specific time, when he literally had no reason to believe that. 
And uh, one of the, why on earth would he do this? He could be trying to distract from his opponents who are getting near to filing officially to run against him. That includes DeSantis who's doing more trips out of state. He did this really gross article with Piers Morgan, who is possibly the, I don't know if I had to pick like a worst 10, top 10 worst broadcaster personalities. I wouldn't call him a journalist that he would probably make that list. He's disgusting and vile and said some horribly racist and sexist things about lots of women, but especially Meghan Markle, because he jumped on that train. But so maybe he's trying to distract from that. But his own campaign is signaling that this was a fundraising stint. Yep. So I also read a lot of articles saying that Trump raised 1.5 million in two days off of the prospect of him being arrested. I was like, okay, who said that it was 1.5 million? That's my first question. Trump? Yes. The source for that claim is also the Trump campaign that Fox News allows to go on any time talk and claim that they had raised 1.5 million over two days. Now they made this claim two days after they initially said that as well. And we're still using the same number, which is surprising because you would think that if he had been 1.8 or 1.9, he'd brag about that, probably even round it up. So we don't know for sure yet because the FEC filing deadline for this quarter for January, February, March won't be until April 15th. But I looked at Trump's financials from all of 2022 when he announced he was running for president and he had not even fundraised $4 million total. Hmm. And really? Yeah. 3.8 million. And so not even 4 million. And when did he announce though? He officially announced, I think it's September or October. I'm not sure. I'd have to double check that. But everybody knew he was as he was gearing up. They're also claiming that this was a entirely grassroots type of thing. But Trump's bit has never been grassroots. Of the 3.8 million that he raised all of last year, I think it was, oh gosh, I want to get the actual specific number. It was less than one sixth of 1% came from actual people. The rest were from political organizations. Yeah. Then I, I started looking through Trump's emails, which someone subscribed me to way back in 2016 to piss me off. But I kept it as like a ear to the ground type thing in one of my other email addresses. So I have it automatically just forwarded to that email, which is my junk email folder, and then deleted from my main one. And 1.5 or 15 or 150 or 1500 appears in several places in his emails, which I found very interesting. Apparently he's got a thing for the number 15. And in one of his emails, he said that a donation now would have a 1500% impact. And in another one, they said that 150 would help Trump amplify his message. And so for some reason, 15, it just seems to be repeated in all of the flurries of emails that he's done over the last couple of days. And then they went with 1.5 million as to what they had raised in the two days and never adjusted the number days later. So for whatever reason, they seem to be incredibly fond of that number. It, it sounds fabricated. I'm sure he has raised money off of the prospect of him going to jail. 1.5 million is in Trump in major Republican circles, not that much money, which was also why I found it as an interesting number and that they would use 1.5 and not round up to two. It's not very Trumpian either, but they've got a fixation on one and five. 
So even possibly disinformation about how he uses his fundraising, which makes you wonder what his other motivations were. Maybe he was just tired that nobody was paying attention to him and that reporters weren't talking about him, even though he's running for president. There have been intimate kind of news stories with people who were very close to him have said that he didn't understand why the press corps was no longer traveling with him everywhere he went after he was no longer president and apparently had a very hard time staying grounded with reality about some of the changes and maybe it's just trying to get that attention back. Then we get into the section on disinformation about what the charges are. According to legal experts who have spoken with their names, so you can verify that they're actual legal scholars or experts in this field, with various media organizations, the charges that Trump might face are falsifying business records, campaigns, campaign finance violations, and potentially wire fraud. Each of these charges are normally charged as misdemeanors. And I have to preface this with, I should have prefaced it before, so that's actually not a preface, but I should add to that. Those experts don't know for sure what is going to happen because while a grand jury proceeding is ongoing, it is met, kept confidential. Those assumptions are based strictly on the people that the Manhattan DA has called to testify. So that includes Michael Cohen, who spent time in prison for the hush money page of Stormy Daniels, Stormy Daniels herself, and one of the other attorneys that was involved with the payoff. So this is, and we're talking about misdemeanors, and the DOJ and the FEC have already decided to decline to go after him for the whole Stormy Daniels hush money, which he may or may not have taken from campaign finance from his campaign, which would be a violation. And I'm not up to date on what the current facts are of that case, because <laughs> I was like, oh God, we're talking about hush money to a porn star and kind of tapped out, but that's what it's about. And that is hardly the deep state persecution of innocent man, baby Trump, that he's tried to paint it to be. So he's mm -hmm. trying to make it seem like Joe Biden or the Democrats or whatever imaginary boogeyman he has are coming after him as hard as they possibly can, you know, that they're co completely corrupt and that they're trying to send him to prison for the rest of his life. When they're really looking at misdemeanors that as a first time offender, he probably would not serve jail time for, which is not the sexy kind of thing that you can fundraise and claim to be persecuted after. Now, if you were raided at gunpoint and then charged with an obscure law like misuse of computer systems that was then ruled unconstitutional in a U.S. Supreme Court case. And then you were threatened with prison time if you didn't drop your legal whistleblower complaint and forced to pay the police $20,000 to drop a felony. Then you might be able to say that your government's coming after you, cough, which is my situation. But a couple of misdemeanors or financial transactions are not a big deal in the grand scheme of what he's facing. His messages on Truth Social have been, I don't know, I feel weird saying the word unhinged because I don't think the man was ever hinged to have become unhinged. But they're out there and they include everything from racist and anti-Semitic attacks on the district attorneys whose last name right. is Matt. Yeah. So he called him a Soros paid animal in one of his tweets. Now he is the brag is black and Soros is the Jewish boogeyman to conservatives right. who want to use code words or they think that they're using code words. We 
we know what they mean, to other conservatives to attack Jewish people or Jewish influence as they see it. Ron DeSantis did the same thing. He invoked the world's boogeyman, as did a bunch of other Republicans in defending Trump with this. And it conflated with other things that Trump is currently facing. As you mentioned, there are other cases ongoing, but all of this controversy was just over those misdemeanor cases. And they're not about the Georgia Fulton County investigation into the 2020 election and him trying to illegally influence vote counts mm -hmm. for president and steal an election. We're talking about election fraud. They're not about the federal investigation into the same thing or yep. one of the other cases that's still ongoing against him, as far as we know, the January 6th involvement, of course. Right. And so th this has nothing to do with any of that. But of course, people are just assume that here Trump's going to be indicted. I think people have a natural tendency to think that it's for the worst thing that he's done, which that's a long list, but I would say January 6th and the election are probably the two yeah. things that people want to see something happen with. And so they just assume that, but this actually has nothing to do with that. This right. is in no way affiliated with that whatsoever. This is just about hush money paid to a porn star from campaign funds. Yeah. So, and part of me thinks that maybe this was just a, to distract from that and probably to discredit. He probably saw this as an opportunity to fundraise. I, I would not say that he did that did not cross his mind, but I'm looking at it and knowing that there's other things going on that if he put this out there and got ahead of it too, that it may disrupt the process of the other indictment. Well, I kind of feel like that's going to blow up in his face because he's made this huge deal done, maximize the media over what amounts to maybe two misdemeanor crimes, maybe a felony if they can approve, uh, I think, wire fraud multiple times, but it would not be like probably a hard prison sentence. It would be probation. But now when those other things come to fruition, should they do that? He's going to be again asking people to go fight for him on different fronts. Okay, now we have to fight the Fulton County District Attorney. Okay, now we have to fight Smith and all these other things. And I think people are going to get exhausted with all the criminal cases that they're being called on to pay for him, his legal expenses for, and to go protest and rally. Because like we mentioned, nobody really showed up for his big protest Tuesday at the Manhattan District Attorney's office. Hopefully, but and this is think about this too is that it takes a long time to organize actually stuff right like it's much harder to have people like show up and just have a couple of days but he's actually primed the pump to a certain extent with getting people to show up to the other events so now jokers like the proud boys and them can get their rally team together and get ready to go maybe i hope that you're right honestly <laughs> but in my mind, I'm going, he's actually giving them some lead time so that they're ready to go the next time he says this. Yeah, but he's going to have to send them to Georgia next time or to somewhere else and or D.C. And this is D.C. is not going to play around with these people again. And asking people to travel to Georgia after New York City is a big city with a very large conservative metro area. And nobody cared. Nobody, even the online discourse about it from Trump supporters they were very divided on whether or not they should show up for this. And, right. you know, yeah, of note was also the kind of 
major Republican influencers who have stepped back from Trump. So Chris Christie didn't have a whole lot to say about what the actual allegations were, but he did say that he doesn't think that Trump is a person who can win the general election as a Republican nominee, which, and he added as a Republican nominee, which was interesting. DeSantis took a swipe at Trump um, in his statement saying, oh gosh, let me quote it real quick. Look, I don't know what goes into paying hush money to a porn star to secure silence over some type of alleged fair. I don't know what's involved with that. And so he actually went after Trump in it before accusing the prosecutor of being a Soros funded political type. Matt well, Gaines, who's you know, say, there's one thing about De DeSantis that was really funny is that this actually caused a bit of inner turmoil in Florida politics between DeSantis and Trump supporters and blah, 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 blah. So there was a bunch of people. And I think, yeah, I think you, maybe you're going to say that what Gates said that, that he has to, DeSantis has to protect Trump. Right. Is that yeah. what you're going to say next? Yeah. If, if there's Gates, when it comes to alleged crimes involving sex and payments for sex, really shouldn't be chiming in here. But he also said that DeSantis should be protecting Trump and he was not happy with DeSantis' statement. And then added to it, said that it was political persecution to prosecute Trump for using, and this is a Gates quote, his own money to resolve a private dispute. And Jim Jordan called it, the payoffs, a bookkeeping error. So Republicans <laughs> are no longer acting like it's not true. They're accepting and acknowledging that it's true and just completely diminishing the fact that it's illegal and saying that, okay, yeah, he did that, but it's his private business. And so prosecuting him for it is just political targeting. And that's pretty, that's a change in tune from other comments by Republican influencers, I guess what we could say. What I loved about the Matt Gates comment too was that it was about the extradition, that it's like DeSantis should be fighting any kind of extradition of Trump because that's what we need to do. Like that itself is an interesting Oh yeah. But like, because in thinking about how these types of things go with these white collar crime folks, for me, when I'm looking at how this all played out, I'm thinking, yeah, you know what? They probably called him. They probably called the secret service. They're probably like, Hey, look, X, Y, and Z, you're probably going to have to come down. And they're trying to sort out what that would look like. That was my take on it. And because that's what they do. It's different. So this also goes into like how police act, right? It's not, they don't you know, show up to your house and raid you and pour right. guns at your kids early in the morning. Oh, that too. But if you're like a drug dealer guy, right? Living next to Brianna Taylor, right? Like, they come you know, in guns blazing. Yeah. They come in guns blazing. But if you're like a wealthy white dude, they're like, excuse me, sir, we're going to bring you in on this day, this day. There totally. is a fabulous Dave Chappelle skit about that we should really cut that in right here <laughs> it's, like, it's like well when i'm done can i still traffic drugs into the community and the guy pulls up the microphone or close that they're recording the interview and he goes absolutely not pointing to it and he goes oh i'm sorry i will never traffic drugs again into the microphone and they all start laughing and he's i've got a date tuesday can i come in friday and then they wait 24 hours for him to come in and he just doesn't come in versus the other guy they show up and they shoot his dog and they grope his right. wife and stuff it's pretty funny yeah. but yeah but here's the thing though i went through and i tried i looked at all the nypd related statements all of the da bragg statements 
And there is no statement from either either of them confirming that there was ever a conversation about turning Trump in. Now, they did give Trump the opportunity to come in and testify in front of the grand jury, and they may have had discussions at that time about how that would go down. Like he was allowed to arrive in the back versus having to go in the front and all this other stuff. So conversations happened for that, but there's not a single public statement that it ever happened for an arrest just for Mm -hmm. him arriving to the Manhattan court for his testimony, which he declined to give in front of the grand jury on this case. There's one more thing about the extradition that it was on my mind that I just want to put out there into the sphere too. Think about how insane it is for Matt Gates, a congressman, to be saying that Ron DeSantis, a governor, has to fight the extradition of somebody to another state, right? Yep. He said that. It was like, we're talking about, so like Trump would fight to go to Georgia or New York or DC, right? And that the state should intervene. For me, it just like sirens went off because there's been a lot of these little testing the water things about secession in yes. Florida. And that for me was like, so he's calling on DeSantis to basically rebuke the very basis of the union, which is- Which of course DeSantis would love the opportunity to showcase that, but he won't do it because Trump right now is leaps and bounds ahead of DeSantis in the polls. And he needs Trump to go down one way or the other without looking like he had a part in it. The state has no authority, of course, to intervene in a federal change of prisoner, which is what it would have to be if he refused to come in. Trump was musing about how he was going to have them put handcuffs on behind his back at one point just for the imagery of it. So it's, yeah, that kind of chatter has been ongoing since Trump permanently moved to Florida, was that he came here so that he could fight extradition to another state. So I would be surprised if that happened. But at the same time, given how easy it was for Trump to create a lie, to invent a complete lie, have all of the media talking about it 24-7 for days on end, giving it legitimacy, going off of these inventions and hearsay and sources close to the information which are in his own camp, I wouldn't be surprised how far I could take it. For example... So Trump got two of the biggest MAGA extremists in Congress, Jim Jordan and James Comer. They sent a letter to the DA, Bragg, demanding that he testify in front of Congress. And then Kevin McCarthy announced that he's starting a congressional investigation into the Manhattan DA's office, like immediately started doing that. And if one lie can trigger a congressional investigation into a state's Manhattan city, really, a district attorney's office, then that has, that lie has some power to it. And now Trump is calling for Bragg to be arrested, which Bragg initially, through a spokesperson, had a statement released saying that Trump created and this is a quote, a false expectation that he would be arrested the next day and called him on his attorneys who pressured you, and this is to the congressional letter, to fight on his behalf. And they continued, we will not be intimidated by attempts to undermine the justice process, nor will we let baseless accusations deter us from from fairly applying the law. So they're getting obviously a lot of threats. The NYPD has a information monitoring system that said there's been an increase in 
activity from violent domestic extremists, from far right circles online. They don't know how much of that is going to translate into in-person contact. Obviously, January 6th is the it's going to be the example, I hope, for many years to come that we don't have another one of what happens when that does translate. But they have been monitoring it and they've seen a lot of amplification among hate groups, far right hate groups in the United States, who they do call domestic extremists and terrorists on this front, which brings us to the social media aspects of this information campaign. So once upon a time, Trump was king of Twitter. And he used the platform to not only engage domestic terrorists and instigate a violent and deadly attack on the nation's capital, but to also spread conspiracy theories, personally go after people. He was really nobody can match his influence for when he was in president. He fired people through Twitter. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So while American mainstream media picked up and ran with all these rumors and lies, most of these stories originally sprouted from social media posts and almost entirely from Trump and his campaign. So I also monitor kind of the inauthentic bots and troll farms and what they're talking about on a day-to-day basis. And they were boosting during this whole week, pro-Trump hashtags like Trump 2024, deep state, fake news, MAGA, all that kind of stuff. And I should also add at any given point, most of what they're promoting is cryptocurrency and Cryptocurrency is a scam. I don't know if any of you listening have not been told. It is a scam. It is a scam. It's that simple. It's a scam. Okay, we're going to move on from that now. It was actually CBS who spoke to NYPD about the significant increase in threats and violent rhetoric from domestic violent extremists. That was the report. And I found it interesting because a lot of the times you will get far left things that are promoted by these accounts to drive devices and get people fighting with each other because the primary goal of these influence accounts, they're mostly paid for by foreign adversaries. So Russia, Mm -hmm. China, Saudi Arabia, things like that. And what they want is for Americans to be divided, to be fighting, to be angry, to be anything but unified in where we stand. None of them showed up this week. It... And I was thought that was curious because normally they do. Cameron Herring was still showing up this week, which was weird. We covered him in last week's episode about all the fake accounts promoting him. Managed to make the top 20 even while Trump's people were in the top 20. Very well paid for a campaign account. But uh, it's actually Twitter influencers that are known for being, and quote, left of center that have done the bulk of speculation and have been driving unsupported allegations and accusations in recent days. So as I mentioned, I did call call out Pam Keith for a few things, but there were also people who claimed without evidence today that Bragg has, and quote, lost his nerve and implied that the Manhattan DA was no longer pursuing the case against Trump because they delayed proceedings they were supposed to have yesterday to Friday. And this apparently insinuated that the whole case is dropped and dismissed and that they've buckled under the pressure. Others stipulated, again, without evidence, that Bragg was, and quote, told to stand down because DOJ could indict Trump on Mar-a-Lago documents as early as tomorrow. There's no evidence presented in this tweet and no discernible evidence whatsoever outside of that tweet that's going to happen. But these are accounts that are some of them are almost as big as mine. Some of them are even bigger. If you don't follow me on Twitter, I'm at Geo Rebecca and I have, I don't know, 400,000-ish, 300, 
90, whatever, somewhere in the 390s range of thousands of followers. So these are very, what we would call high magnitude influencer accounts and spreading misinformation without allocation or attribution whatsoever about the same topic. And I, as I mentioned at the beginning, as breaking news develops, it's expected that people will speculate about what the recent developments mean, how they might affect current events, and to really speak openly about the impact. I think that is things that are posed is like if questions. Okay, so if Trump is arrested, which again goes on the foundation that he will be, which we don't know, there's no indication that he will be. But if Trump is arrested, how does that impact the 2024 election? I'm already starting off with a fundamental possibility that has no legitimacy to it so far. But that's more of a conversation about how do we see this playing out? Not, oh, they're dropping the case because the DA's a, a sissy or whatever. And there, there's no substantiation for that whatsoever. And that is disinformation. And it was coming from, and quote, our side. But when hmm. the entire circus that has been happening almost for a week now, and it, the entire thing is attributed and can be traced back to one man a former president with a documented history of being a pathological liar, pathological liar and narcissist, a bit of caution would be prudent for the large platforms and significant online influence like myself. Yeah. I retweeted one of these stories, not realizing <laughs> that it was completely like baseless. And it's a when, especially when you see it from a legitimate news source like ABC or CBS, something like that, it's really difficult to think that the whole thing's made up. Now I went back and I looked at some of the Washington Post coverage and they were more reluctant to get on this train. They actually wrote a whole piece of how he started this whole crazy thing and how he has multiple legal problems, but nothing has actually come to fruition yet. And we don't know that it will. And if it does, we don't know how significant it will be because as we mentioned earlier, we're talking about misdemeanor charges with probably no prison time. And so it's, Prince has more time to look at things. TV's instant and live. As soon as somebody hears it, they say it on TV. Yeah. They don't always fact check very well. And they've got 24 hours of news cycle to fill competing with other people. Places like mm -hmm. the Washington Post, they're, they don't have to, other than the New York Times, compete with viewership the way that CNN does or MSNBC does or Fox News does. And they know that the paper will come out the next day. So they have a full day to make sure that everything that they're writing is actually correct. She speak to primary sources. And that is one of the reasons print has to me as a person who actually managed and majored in print journalism with my earth science major, been one of the reasons why print is stronger, that the, the quality of journalism you get is better. But that's my little side tangent. We included a fun little section for the write-up that goes with this piece about how the Republicans have started to do doublespeak where they're, oh yeah, this is, we don't approve of this whole porn star situation, but it's political persecution. We should defend Trump. It's, okay. Yeah, he did it, but that doesn't mean we should charge him with a crime, does it? And ignoring the legality of it. But yeah, so it's been a crazy whirlwind. Yeah. It literally is all goes back to Trump and a complete lie that he made up for money, for attention, for both, whatever it was. But they might even be lying about that. 
So we won't know about that for sure until the next FEC reports are due. And yes, we can and we will filter out those that were donated between this five day window to see exactly what it was. Um, all That'll be. Yeah, I honestly, when this came out, you know, that in, in the first few times I heard about it, it was Trump claims he will be arrested on Tuesday. And that from the very beginning, I was like, meh, <laughs> I don't really want to get involved in this. But I noticed, like you said, that all these other news cycles and stuff, people were picking up on it. So I was watching and watching, but I really didn't have a lot of faith that it was going to happen because it came from Trump and it, and honestly, it seems too good to be true is the other thing too, right? Like, I think for those well, that we've had arraignment blue balls now for years, yeah. we keep waiting and waiting for the day that he's going to be held accountable and it just never happens. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's the point is like, he's been, the, he's been accused of so many different crimes in so many different States for so many different reasons, but we're still waiting on the minor, the girl who was a minor, the woman who was a minor with Jeffrey Epstein who accused him of rape. That's still, in limbo, right? Like, it's just, I'm starting to question whether or not there is the political will within the judicial apparatus, both the state or the federal ones to get him, or is it just going to skirt around? We have, and honestly, a misdemeanor for whatever, putting in bad <laughs> financial records. business records. Well, yeah. that may be the best that we get because we just don't have a lot of judicial public will to do this and call it some people will look at that and say it's because we don't want to mess with the former president blah 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 and all that that's entailed and some of it really is entrenched corruption and that they just don't want to poke on that ball of wax too yeah. because it would lead to so many other folks as well yeah and a justice system that generally does not go after the very rich and very powerful unless i would say even with murder in some cases, there have been obviously those cases. They usually make the mainstream media when they do come up, but the whole, he could shoot someone in fifth Avenue wouldn't, would bat an eye. I don't know that he'd even get arrested for it. It's there is, everyone's like, Oh, a president has never been charged with a crime. So being president shouldn't be a blanket pass to commit crime. And if right. we're not going to hold the president accountable, then it's going to continue to attract the most lawless, ruthless, narcissistic people that exist in politics. You think about what a statement it would be if they say we can't indict him because he's the former president. Think of what DeSantis would do with that kind of information. He's already violating the constitution and pretty much every single thing that he passes. And if he knows the presidency means for life, he'll be free, then yeah. it makes America look like a kingship in which once that's it. You're free. You can do whatever I mean, you want. We really are talking about, yeah, this is like dictator type of stuff. This is what happens when there is no accountability. And unfortunately, in the United States, we've allowed some of this institutional corruption to happen for so long because the truth of the matter is Donald Trump should have been held accountable for some of these things that he has before he even became president, right? Yeah. 
why was this he not held accountable for the Jeffrey Epstein rape before the woman, Jeannie Carroll, right? All these other folks. It's just that they didn't have the capacity to come out. There wasn't the political will until there was people who were actually opposing Trump at the time, but there were people that were just silent for decades, not to mention his fraudulent business activity in Florida and the United States in New York as well. I just, to think that because he was president, now he's immune from responsibility for those things as well. What it also says about what his behavior could be like over the next few years while he's running for president too. If you're saying that we can't go after a person who's ever been president, then why would he have any restraint in breaking campaign finance laws, which is part of what this involves, or fraudulent other business activities while he's running again to be president. There's yeah. And honestly, you say no one is above the law, but first that's never the reality that we have lived in, in this country. There are many different types of the justice system, not just two. It's not just rich and poor. It's also black and white, male and female, and a whole bunch of other things, but there is an exclusive class of rich, powerful white men that have been shielded by our institutions and systems. And that has been since the history of time. And so it's, we are all, I think, hanging on to the hope that other people recognize the threat that these people are, people like Trump, people like DeSantis, the way that we do, and that they'll use what power and influence they have to do something about it. And I don't see that happening. I hope it does. That's what we all can do. I hope it does. But We've been hoping that something would happen for a long time now, and it never did. And the bad actors, the Russia, what are they? What are they called? Research agency, internet agency, and especially North Korean Chinese influence or campaigns in the United States are all propping up Trump and people like DeSantis. And there are good reasons for that. These people harm the country. They destroy a lot of the American ideals that we have common unity, community. That is where the word comes from, common unity with each other on a range of issues and that no one is above the law. And yeah, that is those ideals kept certain kinds of things out of popular media. Not that they weren't there, but they were cast out into these corners where they weren't really finding each other and they weren't amplifying their message. And they certainly didn't have people like governors and presidents who engaged in that kind of activity. And only come to the Capitol and because it's going to be wild. Yeah, exactly. And this is a whole other chapter in America's history. And it may have seemed like it started with Trump, but it's not going to end with him unless dramatic action is taken to stop some of these people before they get that far. We all hope that Trump was an anomaly. He was a TV host of a reality show type thing. And he had his own controversies before this. His entire entry into politics was pretty much claiming that Barack Obama was not actually a U.S. citizen. If you go back and look at where he really started to get involved in politics, it was racism. He used racism against Obama to get himself into politics. And God, I just wish we could vote Obama back in for a third term. I'd do that. I would do that in a heartbeat. But I want to give a shout out because if you want to know a little bit more about this, I actually just finished Sarah Kenzier's second book, They Knew. Her first book, In Plain Sight, is all about the Trump corruption going back and the connections to existing 
institutional folks within our government right now. And it gives you some, it's really sad if you are somebody who believes in the United States, believes that we can have a democracy and flourish as a nation because you see how a lot of these folks have been playing in the background and we've allowed corruption to grow. And it's the accountability. The only way that it's going to stop is if we held, hold these folks accountable. And if you haven't read it, you really definitely should. And hey, have us on your show sometime too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or come on ours, either or way. Come on but... ours. Seriously, you want to talk about somebody who's got a knowledge of of autocracy and what it takes. Sarah Kenzie and Andrea Chalupa are two of the people who've been out there saying it over and over again. We, we have the vantage point of being here in Florida, like first front row to, to the insanity. But yeah, it's like, it's just so sad because I honestly... I, Every time I am disappointed with the lack of accountability, I know it's just like one leaf, more leaf dropping off the tree of our democracy. Uh, and eventually we're just going to have nothing left. Well, that's depressing. So on that Sorry. note, <laughs> on that note <laughs> everything um, that you've heard about the whole Trump indictment for the past week has pretty much been a lie started by Trump himself. And that includes the both Republican and liberal speculation about it. And always as a reminder that the district attorney, Bragg, his staff, those are real people trying to do a very difficult job who are being harassed, threatened, stalked, called horrible racist, anti-Semitic, you name it, names. And uh, in so many words, that's wrong. And please stop. They certainly did not choose to be thrown into the spotlight like this. And this is, as somebody who knows a thing or two about not wanting to be involved in a major news story, I can tell you that is a very jarring experience. There were a couple of female ADAs in the office who were followed and there are real life consequences to these kinds of viral disinformation campaigns. And so let's try to make sure that when we read the news, that there is attribution to sources and that if you click on the link where they say, oh, some say, we always cite which article we're referencing. I always link to it. And most of the time I'll link back to the web archive version of it, just in case it's changed or they moved it. Make sure you go all the way back, follow every single link and every story till it takes you to the source. And if that source is none other than true social via Donald Trump, there's your answer. What did uh, Jerry Spring used to say? Take care of yourselves and each other. Was that him? Yes, yeah. yeah. And you said that too. I was going to say one thing I want to pick up on too is that the democracy and the government is us. So let's like you work for the government, right? I yeah. am a public employee too, because I'm a public university employee. Attorney General or the DA Bragg is a government employee. People who were counting the ballots in the election, there were people, they were employees of the government. It is us, right? Like people like us. And we're all doing these little parts, these jobs that kind of make up the United States. Yeah. I liked how you said that. Keep that in mind that it is us and these are people. And the People who are spreading, creating the disinformation, they want us to fight. They want us to attack one another because that's how they win. Yep. And I think my, my little catchphrase should be, tell truth, only truth, so help you God. 
because that's the world that we live in right now. And I've fallen for it. I've taken down stories and posted that there was something that was not correct in it. Actually, when we were originally covering the new Florida legislature laws, I had one in there that was not the correct bill number and it mischaracterized the bill. It was actually the response to another bill. So I took the whole post down and said, I'm sorry to break your feeds, even though it was shared like thousands of times, but there was something that was not correct. I've corrected it here and added to it because that's, we have a responsibility to do that as well. I, somebody was like, oh, you should have just kept it and then quoted it. I was like, no, because there was disinformation in that. And you may not share my correction of that tweet if you shared the original one. And I don't want misinformation on my part being spread all over the internet. So here it is again. That's a responsibility people like me who have huge platforms and people who only talk with their family and friends all have an obligation to try to do as best as they can, which is why we come here each week to tell you about essentially the bullshit that's out in the world this week. I hope to have some more results next week, unless something else crazy happens to go over our how to buy a disinformation campaign thing. I will tell you it ranges from super cheap to holy cow expensive that I've noticed so far. And uh, I got quotes for $150 for like 10,000 Twitter followers to $58,000 for a year for a like special dedicated real people agents doing nothing but whatever you want them to do on social media 24/7 a day. So, it's it is a range of things and we're going to have super fun breaking it down. Awesome. It's so shady, <laughs> but uh, I've, you know, I've tracked every person that I've contacted, what they offered, what they said, who they referred me to. One of the major players that's been involved in a lot of viral social media disinformation campaigns emailed me back initially saying they didn't have that kind of service available. And I said, well, I've got about a budget of a hundred thousand and I really am looking for someone to do this and this. S suddenly they had, they had that resource available. <laughs> So yeah, it's interesting. It's very shady. It's all probably illegal, but we'll go over that more next week so for you guys. I hope this was easy enough to follow along. There is a story that is accompanying with this that kind of breaks it down. Trump lied. <laughs> Trump lied. Media went crazy. Everybody shared bad stuff. Yeah. It's really easy for people like that to lie and to start a, I don't but know, a wildfire. Yeah. And uh, as someone who's been the subject of said lies, it was really a shame kind of hearing about some of the very real people who are going through some traumatic things that don't have to be and shouldn't be and did nothing to deserve it all because of one lie and one liar. My thoughts are with them. And that is this week's episode. So share truth, the only truth, so help you God. Thank you, Miss Informational Rebecca Jones. What a wonderful episode. I have been your co-host, Dr. Cindy Banyer. And you can find more from Miss Informational on her website, missinformational.com and bigmouthmediafl.com. And be sure to support us. You can subscribe for $4.99 a month or $49.99 a year. Keep independent media alive in Florida. And you can listen to our free public podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Ciao. Thanks for joining this informational with Rebecca Jones brought to you by Big Mouth Media. Stay connected by visiting misinformational.com and check out all the great shows and articles on bigmouthmediafl.com. You can also join the conversation with us on Facebook, Instagram, and the cesspool that's Twitter. Don't forget to subscribe to Misinformational wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.